Thank you for tuning into a podcast in our series, Real Life. Stay tuned for an inspirational exploration of dynamic experiences and insightful reflections on the highs, the lows, life presents. TBS Now Radio brings you engaging content no matter where you are listening to this stream. Don't touch that dial as you journey with our presenter and guest today. Remember, this is a real-life podcast stream coming to you from TBS Now Radio. Stay with us as we uncover faith-based principles and practical ways to make a success of life. Hello and welcome to Real Life with Feng Yingbiwei. My guest today is Bumi Folaring. Bumi Folaring is a business analyst based in the UK. She is a talented event organizer in addition to other um, strings in her bow. Bumi is currently Director of Media at the House of Revelations, an interdenominational organization with members in Nigeria and the diaspora. Bumi is a resident of Essex in the United Kingdom, where she's happily married with two children. Bumi, you are welcome to this edition of Real Life with Femi Ibiwaye. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Thank you, Bumi. Please tell my audience about your early life. Where were you born? And what was family life like? So, um, I was born in Zaria, one of the ancient cities of Kaduna State in northern Nigeria, um, some um, 40-ish years ago. <laughs> um, and I am the last of five children, so I have two brothers and two sisters. My uh, family life growing up was wonderful. Um, I had every sense of safety and stability. Um, I grew up with very loving siblings um, and family was just great and really important uh, growing up. So uh, I had a great foundation and a great um, uh, childhood. Where did you go to school? I started off um, uh, my nursery school uh, in Zaria as well. I went to a Montessori uh, primary school, um, which was quite special at the time. Um, and then we moved uh, further south. I, I moved and started primary school in a, in a really wonderful um, um, school, a, a, a missionary school, which had a, a mixture of Nigerian and foreign teachers. And that gave me a really great foundation growing up as well. I proceeded to secondary school, um, a federal government college, which is kind of an equivalent of a grammar school, um, but a boarding uh, grammar school. I went to secondary school, really loved uh, my secondary school days. Um, and Following that, I moved to the UK um, to do my A-levels and then university. Are you still in contact with um, friends from uh, your schooling days in um, Nigeria? Absolutely. You know, with the advent of WhatsApp and social media and all of that stuff, we have all these sort of um, secondary school groups and sometimes we talk about these things and it's almost as if that time hasn't passed and you're still 
you know, you know, when we're having those chats anyway on WhatsApp, it's almost as if we're back at secondary school. So, yes, I do keep contact with um, quite a few of, of those people I went to school with. Fantastic. Bumi, you were a business analyst with a petroleum blue chip. How did you get into this line of work? Very, very interesting story. So as I said, I went to Federal Government College uh, in Illori, um, and I remember there was um, a, a computer lab in there and the government had uh, funded a suite of computers. Computers had just became very, very uh, popular in those days. Uh, and that room sat locked for the entire three years of my senior uh, uh, studies. And I pondered, it. I was so intrigued by it. I went and asked one of the heads of departments and they said there was absolutely no one that could teach computer science. And so they locked it up for three years, brand new computers. And I said to myself, I'm going to study computing. I didn't know what it was about. I'd never, that was probably the first time I'd seen a computer in my entire life. Um, but it was just the fact that it was not accessible. Um, and so I said, you know what, that's what I'm going to study. I studied computer science um, and, and got into um, business analysis um, where I, you know, help businesses solve problems and so I got a job with this company uh, after I left university and they posted me to um, a company called BP and that's how we started and I've kind of remained in the um, oil and gas industry since then. How many years did you spend at um, BP? 10 years. Spent 10 years at BP before I moved on. What was the corporate um, system like? Like, uh, not really the culture, but how, how did you manage to avoid the constant reshuffles and um, the turnover? Because uh, these companies tend to turn around their staff um, very, very um, rapidly. I think one of the things is um, there, there's a period of time where when you get into a company and you feel... I want to stay here for a while, I want to build a career, you then have to start to think about how do I want to make myself visible? How do I want people to perceive me? So you have to build that up from the onset. And when those turnarounds come round, what they're looking for is either they're looking for people who have been in the company for so long and, and hence the cost of maintaining that employee is too high and so they might look to move them on or they're looking for people who are not really delivering um, as much you know they they have this this way that they assess people and they put people on a curve where you know people with a very high potential they they, they assess you and so if you fall into that bucket you tend to you know you're, you're able to weather those sort of churns but if you find yourself in the low potential um, um, category, then, you know, it is a problem. So when you get into such places and when I got there, you know, I made myself very visible. I was quite, um, you know, um, I, 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 want, I, I was ambitious. I was really ambitious and I wanted to 
So I wanted to achieve a lot. So I set out, I made it really clear to anyone who cared to listen. And so um, when, when managers and leaders see that, um, they feel like they can trust you. And so they will start to commit work into your hands and you can then grow and build your profile from there. And so when that churn comes round, um, you know, you're not definitely not going to be the first person they want to. They will do everything they can to keep you on. And so that's how I managed to um, <laughs> to dodge those bullets uh, for as long as possible. I like I like the um, one word that popped out in your answers to that question. And that is trust. Mm -hmm. Trust. So how do you become a trusted um, person how do you become indispensable and I think that is particularly interested in interesting because um, a lot of our audience will be possibly in between jobs uh, looking for the next opportunity some of them will be in a situation where they are looking at um, the environment at work and they're beginning to get feelers that not all is well um, and this would definitely help them to be able to recalibrate and reposition themselves. So thank you. That, that is a good, good insight. So Bumi, you have a lifestyle fashion label. You have an event decoration business. Yeah. You are a motivational speaker and other strings in your bow. How has the coronavirus pandemic affected your business? Hugely from if we if we look at the um, events business, uh, it, it's something that I'm so passionate about. I'm, I'm a creative. That is one of my core uh, gifts and talents, one of my values as well. I love to create. So um, when the pandemic hit, you know, uh, events it, it is probably the biggest area uh, of impact. If you if you think about it, no gatherings, no weddings, no parties, you know, none of those sorts of things. So um, I had to then rethink the business. You know, what can I do? Um, and and that I again is all about being creative. You know you create the outcome that you're looking for in any situation so i'm thinking i still want to continue to create you know uh, beautiful uh, floral designs i want to continue to create um, beautiful spaces whether it's in someone's living room or whether it's in you know an office what can i do and so i rethought my business uh, model and i moved into delivering flowers for example i loved fl floral arrangements i you know thought about doing that and with the sort of uh, lifestyle uh, fashion home fashion i then you know started another um label uh, where i just started to sell um home stuff and home decor stuff so it's all about the pandemic what that what what that meant for me was that right i can't go out there and deliver an event what else can I deliver within that space? So it's about creating another outcome for yourself. And that's what I've had to do to respond to that. Fantastic. So this is um, a good place for a plug. So if, if um, somebody wanted to uh, 
order flowers from you, how can they find your digital space? Right. So um, Resplendence is the name of my company. It's on Instagram. Uh, I have a website, a, a web shop. So you can order flowers. You can order small floral home decor stuff from the Resplendence website. It's www.resplendenceworld.com. Thank you very much, Bumi. Who is your inspiration? Hmm. My inspiration is my mom. My mom is in her 80s and um, ever since I sort of, um, sort of, you know, started to realize and to really look at people and to observe, I've just always been, you know, in awe of her. Um, growing up, my mom had a day job. She was a, an educationist. Um, and then she had a lot of other things on the side that she was doing. She had her um, teaching business on the side. So she had a tutoring school on the side. She had farms on the side. She had speaking engagements. She was, she is just a very, very multi-talented woman. She's tenacious. She's got this really tenacious spirit. You just can't kill that spirit. And if she sets her mind to do something, she just gets it done. So she just inspires me. And I always flip back to what will my mom do when I face challenging situations. I'm thinking, I can't do this. And then I'm thinking, my mom did a similar thing. She did this, she did that, she managed it somehow. I should be able to do this. And she's just, you know, amazing in, in every sense of the word. She is my number one inspiration. Thank you, Bumi. What should our audience look for in choosing a mentor? Right. So mentoring relationships, you have to understand, are based on experience or should be based on experience. So when you're looking for a mentor, you should not have just one mentor. If you're someone who's into different things, you need to have a mentor for every line of work or space that you're engaging in. So that's the first thing. And that experience is tied to that space. That's the key thing. And the reason why experience is important is I, I tell you one, something my, my, one of my mentors at BP told me, he, he gave me an illustration just when we started this mentoring relationship and trying to help me understand how he, we were going to engage to help me get to where I wanted to, to get to. And he built a picture for me of a triangle. And he said, this world that you are operating in is a triangle. Everyone starts off at the bottom. Most people want to get to the top. Now, if you look at the shape of a triangle, as you go towards the top, the apex, it narrows out, which means there's not enough space for everyone at the top. Now, the benefit of making sure that you have a mentor that is experienced in that area is that as you go towards the top, the mistakes you make get more expensive. You can't afford to make certain mistakes when you get to that middle portion because there's not enough room and so everyone can't get there. The benefit of a mentor is that they've been there. They've experienced, 
you know, what you're trying to achieve, they can tell you this is what you do, this is what you don't do. And so you save yourself. So look for someone who's got the experience they were looking for. Fantastic. Now, how have um, um, mentors, how has mentoring actually translated into the success um, deliverables and the measurables um, in your own different spheres of interest? Interest. So I think for me, when I enter into any mentoring relationship um, and I, I meet with my mentors, I always go in there with a specific um, topic or need. I don't just go into my mentor mentoring relationship to have a conversation or to have a chat. That's not the purpose. I'm looking for their experience. So when, I, when I've left for one mentoring session, as I go through... Um, up until the next one as things are happening I'm noting right this has happened not too sure about this I'm going to take this back to my mentor if it's something that I need to quickly speak to them about I will speak to them about it so the first thing is take your experiences as you're experiencing it and get that advice in as you as you're you're, you're going along make sure the way that my mentoring relationships have, have sort of transformed into success is that i use that opportunity and that knowledge it's not just to have a chat and to you know you know say that i have a mentor or say that you know i know this person who is of you know this high caliber but it is to make sure that i use their knowledge in some cases that i use i leverage their um um their capital so some some of these mentors as well they have they have social capital that you can leverage they have workplace capital that you can leverage whether it's their you know their 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 contacts or whatever it is leverage those opportunities and use it really wisely don't squander it make sure that there's a very specific reason and that you take whatever they're giving giving to you and apply it and then you you start to see the results Thank you very much, uh, Bumi. The world systems are taking a bit of a battery from the pandemic, the volatility of the financial markets, insecurity from terrorism and um, so many other things. There are also unforced errors in government policy, like the recent hoo-ha over the vaccines, Northern mm -hmm. Ireland and the EU, as an example, and some of the obvious glaring mistakes that have led to a higher mortality count mm. uh, during the coronavirus. How can we minimize our vulnerability to unplanned disruptions to our lives? So there's two things. The first thing is obvious and in my line of work, it's something that we call risk management. Now, those things that you have mentioned, they're really not things that you can so much plan for. You know, you can plan for having, you know, being unemployed. You can plan for falling sick and have insurances here and there to sort of cater if those things happen or not. Now, the sort of things that we have seen very recently are very, very far-fetched in a, in the average person's mind or imagination and so how do you respond to that comes down to your resilience 
and re resilience is your capacity to respond to challenging situations or negative situations so when things like that happen you have to if you don't already have if you don't already have uh, resilience built into yourself you have to build that up face the challenges square on and start to look at what do i need to do to respond to this one of the things when you know when you asked about you know who inspires me that's one of the things that i see in my mom it's i've, I've i really have never seen her experience a challenge and she has had her fair share of challenges in life life hasn't been a bed of roses but somehow due to that resilience and that capacity to respond she has been able to weather those storms so what i would say to people is and i'm saying to myself is you need to build capacity full stop um, and when those things happen, it's that capacity that you've built up that gives you that resilience to, in order to face those challenges. Resilience, yes, that's, um, that keeps popping up um, from time to time. And um, we're going to go to a break now. And when we come back, we're going to, I'm going to ask you um, about um, uh, some practical steps you've taken to keep your family safe. You are listening to a special edition of real life with femi Bio. my guest is bumi folari please don't touch that dial stay tuned and we'll be right back after this break thank you for tuning into a podcast in our series real life stay tuned for an inspirational exploration of dynamic experiences and insightful reflections on the highs the lows life presents TBS Now Radio brings you engaging content no matter where you are listening to this stream. Don't touch that dial as you journey with our presenter and guest today. Remember, this is a real-life podcast stream coming to you from TBS Now Radio. Stay with us as we uncover faith-based principles and practical ways to make a success of life. Welcome back to Real Life with Femi Biwe. My guest today is Bumi Folari. Uh, Bumi, before we went on the break, I was going to ask you um, what steps you take to practically keep your family safe in the pandemic. So um, I think that there are several things that uh, we do, you know, um, following the, 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 the um, requirements of the law and everything that the government say. But I think... You know, um, for me, this this pandemic um, is has has allowed a lot of us to realize that there is a there, there is a greater power uh, than ourselves, um, and and for me, uh, the, the God is my sort of refuge. The Bible says that God is our refuge and our strength and uh, an ever present help. In time of need you know you go out there and you're walking in the shops for example you don't know who you're brushing past uh, in the aisles they might be asymptomatic um, and you're you know around them and it only takes the protection of God to keep us safe 
so for me the one of the practical ways is that I, I, we're committing our ways into the hands of God and we're saying Lord as we go out as we come in we're hiding ourselves under the shadow of your wings um, and, and you know doing ev whilst still doing everything else to keep ourselves safe like you know face coverings and whatever you know staying indoors and not mixing um with people outside of our bubbles you know so yeah those are the things that we are doing to try and keep ourselves safe thank you Mimi. with rising global demand highly volatile prices and an increasingly stringent environmental regulation system in the oil and gas industry these are challenges which are well publicized in the into on the internet streams in the newspapers on the news and so on one of the these challenges is the environmental footprint reducing the carbon impact on the environment how has the oil industry adapted to these pressures um i think if you look at so the the eu for example has has um a a law that they're going to pass uh, or has been passed actually which is um net zero um 2050 and what they're asking of organizations particularly um, oil and gas companies is to become net zero before or by um, um, 2050. Now, a lot of companies, um, you know, the likes of BP, Shell, for example, they are starting or having to change their business strategy in order to um, try to plan to reach those targets. Um, and there's several ways that they're doing doing that. So, for example, um, a lot of companies prior to now will try to offset their carbon footprint. So they will perhaps trade in carbon. So the the for the you know they will offset the amount that they are producing against you know buying clean um, credits. Now that isn't enough um, because the emissions are still there. So companies are now under pressure to reduce the amount of emissions they are producing in their operations um, and also to produce cleaner um, uh, refined products uh, of, of um, oil and gas. So we will start to see um, that there will be a lot more electrical um, based energy products out there um, you will find that uh, these oil companies will start to lobby the government as well for uh, laws that favor those products because if they produce these if they're replacing some of the traditional energy products with uh, more uh, carbon neutral products then somebody's got to buy it so it's a circle um, and it's not just going to be the oil companies that have to uh, shift it's a transformation that has to cut across the board um, but obviously the box stops with the oil companies and so they have to take a lead and you will see that a lot of them have now changed their business strategy to start to prepare for that thank you so I'm just a little bit curious because um, a couple of years ago um, the 
Duke and Duchess of Sussex were in the news for um, apparently not doing what they said. And I think um, the word that came up was um, um, carbon offset. Um, so apparently they were accused of being um, a little bit um, disingenuous with their um, uh, private jets flying around the place while they were strong advocates for um, a low carbon um, uh, situation. Now, how, how does carbon offset work? So carbon offset is, so you've got to look at what you're generating as a, comp as a person, you know, what you're, so for example, consumer, you are a buyer of fuel. For example, you're buying petrol and so you're going to be driving your car uh, and your car is going to be emitting CO2 gas into the air. So how do you offset that? You offset that by either buying uh, a, a car, for example, that um, some of these new cars have um, certain additives that can be added to them to reduce the um, carbon emissions that the car produces, so you lower the carbon that you're producing into the air. Now, how do you offset it? You offset it by swapping some of the other things. So you're driving your car, you're still going to be emitting this, this um, CO2 gas into the air. What else can you do? Um, Perhaps you, you have a lot of people who then put solar panels on their houses, for example. They're uh, using cl uh, um, uh, cleaner uh, uh, forms of electricity. And so they're offsetting whilst their car is generating CO2 whilst they're driving, but they're using um, a cleaner type of energy. Some people have, um, if you look at some of the houses in the sticks, for example, they have um, uh, uh, windmills that generate electricity for them. They're offsetting that way. So a lot of these places are farms, for example. Maybe they have uh, tractors and things. So, you know, you offset that way. And for companies, you know, either lowering uh, how more, how they use the, um, the products or the way that they generate the energy or create those products. So you, they look, you look for uh, technologies, you know, that help to lower how much you're emitting. So you offset that way as well. So there's several strategies that can be deployed um, in order to offset carbon. I really like your explanation because something just occurred to me while you were explaining that with the global warming crisis that had been a major thing for uh, quite a few years now, that the pandemic has actually forced a natural offset mm. um, to happen because with fewer planes flying, uh, people not moving around and um, polluting as much, um, the earth is cooler. And you make a good point there, and, and another, another way that you've identified there, because now that the pandemic has happened and people are realizing that they can't, you know, go up, they don't have to travel to have meetings, what's the point of flying then? And so that is a trend that is likely to continue, and so, you know, the, the emissions are about to get lower. So nature has actually... <laughs> sorted out the climate protesters issue Absolutely. without any more um, barricading of um, Downing Street. <laughs>
Correct. <laughs> Thank you. So let's turn to your creative and entrepreneurial endeavors. How did you get into fashion and events? You know, the Bible says that um, your gifts will make room for you, you know. Um, as I said earlier, one of one of the gifts that I, God has blessed me with is this very, very creative um, mind. Um, and I would look at an ordinary, I don't know, a box and I would think, okay, what else can I add to this or how can I make it different? You know, and that has just been the way that um, um, I have been. I remember when I was in secondary school, um, and I joined uh, one of the, well, you have like an option, you can do um, ag agricultural science, uh, food and nutrition or home management. I picked home management and the reason was because I thought I could, you know, there was all these things I could create. Um, and I remember they asked us to make a soft toy. Um, you know, in, in, in my growing up with my, I used, I, I spent a lot of time with my mom, you know, um, and I would go to her office at the College of Education in Ilori and just sit there and watch a lot of the things that her students did. She, she was a teacher of teachers and they had to create these dolls, these rag dolls, absolutely amazing rag dolls from just fabric. Uh, and I, and I, I remember taking, you know, just, uh, you know, just taking a bit of what I'd seen. I'd never done one before. And so when they gave us this task, you know, I went and created this doll, took my, my, my school pillow, had to suffer. I basically shredded it to stuff the doll. But my teachers couldn't believe it, you know. And so from there on, they pushed, you know, the, you know, they pushed and they pushed. I ended up, you know, winning the prize for the best student in, in, in that subject. But it was born out of, you know, that gift that, you know, God had placed in my life. And so I would... Whilst someone else will walk past something and not see anything different, I would, you know, um, just naturally see something that could be created or could be made different. Um, and, and that's just how I got into that business and started planning parties and decorating venues. And, you know, it's grown from there. Tell us about your family. What role does your family play in your business? My family are absolutely my backbone and without their support, I don't think um, I'd be able to, 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 do, to do the business. I mean, anyone who's, who is in the events business knows it's time consuming, um, it's, um, it takes patience, uh, you have to be meticulous and you need a lot of energy um, and so my family my children for example um, being a, 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 a some you know when I first started the business you know without before I could hire additional hands they would support me in doing that my husband as well you know he would take on a lot of the um, 
the sort of um, planning side of 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 the um, business when it comes to the financial side he's quite um <laughs> you know knows how to organize and make sure that uh, we get the payments on time and where is he a Jebusite? oh yes he very much is <laughs> where i'm i'm being very nice and polite and he's the kind of right you know let's get down to the numbers side of of the business so my family uh hugely support me um and so do my extended family i mean you know my sisters my brothers they will turn up uh, at some of those events before you know just to give me a hand and make sure that this dream doesn't die and it's just a testament that god he surrounds us with grace he surrounds us with favor and you know he says that you know he will make all grace abound towards us and so help just always comes and you know my family are usually the first to step in but what would you do differently and why on reflection hmm. In terms of my business, I think one of the things that I would do differently um, would be taking a step back to really understand the um, business side of things. So the financial side. I, as I said, I am I am the creative behind Resplendence, and you know, and so it it's very easy for me to I, I would when I, a client comes to me you know I have you know and I start to dream up these um, you know uh, visions of trying to bring their vision to life I just want to you know do do the the most I could and so that's my focus I, I want to want it to be the best that it can be and sometimes you have to really balance that creativity with the sort of practicality uh, and the reality of the business you know someone has a budget of ten thousand pounds for their the business and uh, or for the business they've brought to you um and you know you you're there you're envisioning this thing that costs twenty thousand pounds and you're going for it and going for it you have to strike a balance. So for me, what I would do differently is to make sure that I get the business side of, of the, the, the financial side. You, you can't just leave that to chance. And if you're not able to do it, which I wasn't great at when I first started out, what I should have done is I should have hired someone who could look after that side. So I ended up doing a lot of work for free, <laughs> you know, because of the passion and the bot, you know. Um, so, yeah, find, make sure you understand the financial side of your business. And if you can't or don't know how to hire someone. Great answer. Bumi, define how you set your goals and what part your faith plays in the goals that you set for yourself or your business so goals your goals are tied to your purpose i did an exercise um in the last couple of years one of the the things that i have been doing is 
I think I read a book. Um, it, the, the book is called um, um, Who Am I? Um, and What Am I Here on Earth For? It's written by Rick Warren. And it's all about what our purpose is. And from that book, I was able to understand that my number one purpose is to serve and worship God. So that's my primary purpose on the face of the earth. Now, every other purpose, because God has a variety of things that he wants us to accomplish and achieve. Everything is based off of that number one purpose. So before I start to set my goals, I remind myself of what my purpose is. Now, what my primary purpose is, but also what else does God want me to achieve? And then my goals are, are, have to align to that purpose. For everything that I, I know that God has called me to do, I have a scripture for it. Because um, our life, our life is 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 a should be a reflection of the goodness and the gifts that God has bestowed upon us right so everything that we do must point to him so when I set my goals I am asking myself how does this goal align to God's purpose for my life how does this goal point to God now we sometimes struggle with our sort of um, our, our, our vocational work, you know, and trying to align that. I, if I look at myself as a business analyst, I had to sit down. My purpose as a business analyst is to solve business problems. How does that point to God? Now, I have a lot of challenging situations in, in my work. You know, they, you know, business comes and says, we want to do this, this, that, that. And I'm thinking, how do we do this? I know that my source of inspiration, my source of knowledge is the Holy Spirit. I run to him and I ask him now, these are the problems I'm facing at work. How do I solve this thing? And the Holy Spirit is able to then download what the solution to that problem is for me. Thank you very much, Bumi. That is very thought-provoking. Um, we're going to go to another break. And when we come back, um, we will ask you a few more questions about yourself personally. You are listening to Real Life with Femi Bioy. My guest today is Bumi Folari. Um, please, please, whatever you do, don't touch that dial. We'll be back shortly. You are tuned in to a radio stream from TVS Now with Femi Ibiwaya. Inspirational, engaging, uplifting radio. Don't touch that dial. So welcome back to Real Life with Femi Ibiwaya. My guest today has been uh, Bumi Folarin and what a delight she has been. She has answered so many questions and given us so much insight. Bumi, Welcome back to Real Life with Femi Biwoye. Thank you. So Bumi, how do you relax? For relaxation, um, most of the time, uh, I, I'm a homebody, you know, so I love to, to sit at home um, 
with my children um, and just watch a movie together uh, with the family, for example. So that's that's my my go to relaxation uh, when, whenever whenever I can. Um, I do love to read as well. Um, so if I and I love um, you know um, lots of books around you know um, families and lots of books around um, you know just just inspirational books books that kind of lift my spirit and helps me to you know become more self-aware I love books like that so I'd read those to just uh, relax myself do you have an elevator pitch I do, I do, um, and uh, one that's a bit um, crusty now, but I, I, I do have an elevator pitch. Um, I won't ask you to tell us <laughs> what your elevator pitch is. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out what Bumi's elevator pitch is, um, tap her up at um, Res Res Resplendence Web or Bumi Fall. So that's www.resplendenceworld.com. Uh, .com. Yeah. Okay. Okay. On, on Instagram. And what's your Instagram handle? It's Bumifol. F-O-L. B-U-N-M-I-F-O-L. Okay. Fantastic. So you've heard it from the lady herself. Now, Bumi, if you had a bucket list, what would it look like? What would you put on it? Oh, one of the things that I would really love to do um, would be to enable a minimum of a hundred young people kick off their careers successfully. I've always, there's so many things that I've experienced in life um, that I, I, when it happens, I'm thinking, I wish someone had told me this. 15 years ago or 20 years ago, what I'd like to do is to be able to, as, as young people, especially young ladies, as they come out of universities, especially those ones who are going into a technology um, environment or a very male-dominated environment, I'd love to be able to sort of create a mentoring space to prepare them for it. So they, they hit the ground running and they they conquer those things that I struggled to conquer. That would be on my bucket list. Um, I would like to visit all of the continents of the world. Um, I think I've so far, uh, actually I'm just missing one now. So I've got one more continent to, to go to. I'd Which like one to, is that? Uh, Australia. <laughs> I have never been there. You want to go down under? I would love to go down under. Um, yes. Uh, another thing I'd like the bucket list I'd like to write five books um, to help you know self-help books I'd like to, to, to do that why five and what would be the name or the title of the first one first one would be five things I wish someone told me when I was 20 well that that's that's one of my questions uh, knocked off <laughs> Yeah, go on. Okay, uh, and also uh, another thing that I'd like to, to, to do that's on my bucket list is, is to build a, a, a house of my own in the UK, build it from scratch. I'd like to buy land, own land and build on it.
So, what have you got within the fabric or the systems in your house now that you're looking to improve on with your own design? Oh, this, um, I've got an office in my house um, and the decor, the wallpaper is horrific. I would love <laughs> to change that completely um, and revamp it to make it a bit more um, airy and light, definitely. So your office would be one of the things that you would change. What about, what about the environmental um, and sustainability angle? Would it be um, an energy efficient house, perhaps? Ah, so you're talking about the house that if I build a house now? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love technology. I love techie stuff. So, <laughs> so describe the house to us. Uh, it would be one of those houses where um, everything is energy efficient. So, you know, the lights turn on and turn off with movement, for example. Um, you know, I, I would love to have a gate. So when people turn up, I could see who's there, let them in. Um, my my uh, appliances will be energy efficient and remote controlled so I can control them. Obviously, obviously have a swimming pool, um, you know, a basketball court. Um, <laughs> I'm describing some really wonderful things here, but uh, yeah, um, and a very nice, maybe under underground garage, you know. Um, yes, a house that needs. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a house from a Hollywood movie. Absolutely. <laughs> I can just I can just about visualize something like that. <laughs> Mumi, if you could go back to being a teenager, yes. what would you do differently? If I could go back to being a teenager, what would I do differently? I would I would listen more to people who are older. I think as young people um, we tend to, we want to experience life for ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. What we tend not to realize is that the people who advise us or who raise us, they've seen that life before. You know, some of the pitfalls that I fell into, I would have listened more. If I could, if I could wind back time with hindsight, which is such a beautiful thing, I would listen more um, and maybe in, in, in some instances go a different direction. Bumi, you sing as well. So many talents. Would you consider making your own music? Probably not. Um, I do love to sing. But that singing comes from a, 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 a desire to worship. I love to worship. I think I could, if, if I had an hour and they said pray and worship, I would probably be comfortable worshipping for just 40 minutes, 50 minutes of that hour. Because when I get into the place of worship, I... I start to imagine and you know it's something that I've developed perhaps maybe because as a you know being a, a member of 
the choir, you know, and I've had to read a lot of books about worship if you're leading people into worship. It's just for me, a it's the way that I, I express myself to God. Uh, and, you know, when I start to imagine who God is and the things that he has done and his greatness, I get lost in it. So, yes, I do love to worship um, but will I release an EP? I don't think so. <laughs> it's one of those situations of uh, an audience of one for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> worship worship is, um, is interesting, isn't it? Yes. Uh, because here um, is the only time that... Um, uh, the 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 Bible specifically says that God is looking mm. for a man. He's mm. looking for a man. He says, um, uh, "God is." Jesus said, "God is a spirit, and they that worship Him worship Him in spirit and in truth. Mm. For such mm. seeks the Father." Yes, you know so. I think I think possibly if we worshipped a bit more, uh, we would need to pray less. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Bumi. What designer labels are you passionate about? Or actually, what brands are you passionate about and why? So for me, in, in the brands that I love and follow, it's quality. I love sophistication and quality. So, you know, in terms of, um, for example, um, my car, for example, I'd, you know, I'd always wanted a car. And I, I also said earlier that I love technology. I love gadgets and gizmos and that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, if if I'm looking for something like a car, be looking for something that's got you know those qualities because qu quality is actually one of my values as well by virtue of what I do as a business analyst and as well as a you know an, an events uh, um, manager as well you know uh, so those things are very important so I'm looking for brands that have that same ethos in terms of what they deliver how they deliver it as well um so i don't just follow brands i kind of you know it's very important for me to look behind the glamour and the you know picture but what does the brand really represent as well um i i found that you know when, when my kids were growing up i remember you know there there, there were some brands and now they'll remain nameless but you know there, there's certain brands that have um logos or or pictures that emulate sort of um you know things that, that i wouldn't call godly stuff you know so i death. death skulls for example and my kids knew they knew not to when we went into the shop and we were picking out stuff they knew axes and guns they knew not to bring those things to me because they're they're symbols and symbols are very spiritual you know and so, you know, any, any symbol that does not glorify God. If you read, you know, the book of Leviticus, the book of Exodus, you'll you start to see a picture 
of you know the sorts of things that don't honor god or things that you know don't you know are, are, are not symbolic of the nature of god let me be specific so when beyonce puts on the mask of baphomet mm -hmm. what 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 do you think about that i mean for me those things are the the connotation of that is demonic you know and for me, I have to separate myself from those things, you know. Um, if I start to revel in, in that, such music or revel in such atmospheres, then you start to call those, those sort of spirits to yourself, you know. Um, we, live, we live in the natural, but we're also spiritual people as well. And so... For me, those are, that's just a no-no. Um, the Bible says, what has light got to do with darkness? So the, the two things, they don't match. They don't match up. Um, if, you, if, we, if you think about, you know, the presence of God, you know, and a lot of us, you know, we wonder why certain things happen around us. Those are the sorts of spirits that we are attract towards ourselves, really. Um, and so you have to build an atmosphere around you. So for me, um, I want to build an atmosphere that is conducive for the spirit of God, for the presence of God to dwell. If you remember the, the, the Israelites when they had to build the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and the tent. Before God's presence could come down, certain rituals and certain things had to be done. Certain things had to be removed from the, the, the camp. You couldn't just approach with you know, uh, an unclean spirit. And so for me, those, anything that is a representation, that is not a representation of God, is, is a no-no. Anything that points to anything other than God is, is a no-no for me. So, you know, skulls, um, demonic uh, pictorial um, uh, representations, um, no. I will stay clear of those brands. Because at the end of the day, um, you might think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong in it. But you are sowing your money into propagating and progressing the those, agenda, the, the agenda of, of, of those things. And, and, no. and, that, and that covers um, all their endorsements, like their perfumes and um, their, I mean, some of, some of, some of, um, uh, the entertainers uh, and, I, and, I, and I pick it pick on uh, uh, Beyonce again because she started in the church she mm -hmm. was in the choir and um, she she was very clear that she's got an alter ego she's mm -hmm. got a different personality called Sasha Fierce yes um, and um, lots of um, young people really don't see anything uh, wrong with that. What would you say to a young person who uh, is um, uh, into that sort of um, um, a fan of mm. a, 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 a star like that? So what I would say is, and, and let's set, you know, Christianity, um, you know, spiritualism, let's even set that aside for one moment, you know. Not that it, it is out of the question, but, you know, anyone, a non-Christian or anyone will, will tell you 
you naturally attract the things that you desire you know you have to ask yourself and this is what i'll tell a young person what picture does this person represent to you what picture does this person represent to you you know if you're a young person who has been raised as a christian you have a picture of what you're aspiring to be does this picture of beyonce does it match up is this the gold you know standard and i don't think it is and that's what i would say you know these are representations that are that do not fit the criteria of our christian ethos thank you Gumi. what next what's the next big thing so the next big thing for me is um my consultancy um, I'm working towards, you know, um, um, I actually have started up a consultancy, an IT consultancy, where I will continue to do business analysis through, uh, um, recently qualified as a project manager. Um, I'd like to, um, create a consultancy that will deliver IT solutions to businesses. So yeah, soon. I will have more people on board at some point. And finally, um, so the grace of God, I just want to talk about the grace of God because we've spoken about um, Beyonce and what she's represented up to today. If Beyonce was to turn away from what she represents today, and I'm talking about Baphomet and all of this, what I'd call apparently occultic symbolism and transformed to a person who professes um, God or Christ do you think that God will accept her I absolutely believe so God will accept her um, you know the Bible says that you know Jesus came to seek and save the lost that is the reason for the sacrifice of jesus doesn't matter what she's done doesn't matter where she's coming from that is the reason why christ died so you know if she turns away from all of those things and and, and repents and comes to christ she will be 100 percent accepted um, would you then support her in that new iteration Absolutely, because she is part of the family of God. Excellent. <laughs> we have been listening to Bumi Folarin on Real Life with Femi Ibiwaye. This has been a great um, session. Bumi, we really appreciate you joining us today uh, for this session. And uh, hopefully we will have another opportunity to catch up with you in the not too distant future. Until the next time, you've been listening to Real Life with Femi Biwaye, and my guest today has been Bumi Folarin. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and stay on the stream. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this radio stream from TBS Now Radio. We are based in United Kingdom and are a community dedicated to publishing wholesome content for individuals, professionals, and business people. 
Join us daily for inspirational presentations, divine insights, and real-life interview podcasts. It has been a joy and privilege to have had you drop into the stream with us today. We affirm the belief that every individual is gifted and possesses the ability to make a contribution to the well-being of others. Please join us daily from 6.30 a.m. GMT for the word, music, real-life interviews, and inspirational content. We look forward to providing your inspirational kickstart to your day tomorrow. We are streaming again from the same place at 6.30 a.m. GMT tomorrow. Have a good night from your presentation crew here at TBS Now Radio.